I, I just want to tell y'all, I just feel like this is home. And uh, I love y'all. I mean, it's like you're all my kids or my grandkids. And what Stephen was trying to say there when he said, I have a wealth of wisdom and all, I know what he was saying, that she's really old. <laughs> he gets it in, you know, he just says it a little bit different. Well, it's true because I was looking around hoping I could find someone older than John and I this morning. <laughs> Didn't happen. I didn't even see anybody older than us on the way over here, <laughs> you know. <sighs> uh, actually, we've become kind of so old now that we don't even buy green bananas. <laughs> That'll take a minute. Does anybody get it? <laughs> well, anyhow. <sighs> Uh, when he asked me to come over on, on Mother's Day, I'm thinking, well, uh, the last time I was here, I think there was two mothers here, <laughs> maybe three, and uh, but you guys are growing and having babies, and that is so neat. And I was thinking, how do we talk about um, moms today? So what I'm going to do is actually I'm just going to share from my heart as a mother. How's that? Okay. Uh, my mom, how many of you remember my mom? She's 95 and she loves y'all too. And she sends her greetings to you. And I have found myself at this stage of my life of being a part of the, what I call the sandwich generation. I still have my mother. I'm old. I told her a while back, I said, mom, if you fall, it's just going to be two old ladies on the ground, <laughs> you know, because I can't catch you. You know, and, uh, oh, she, she really appreciates me too. I told her recently, I said, wow, mom, dad's been gone for so many years and, and grandma and aunt Marie and uncle Bill and my brother, Ted, it's been so long. I don't, I think they don't think that you're going to make it, that you made it there, that you didn't come there. And she just looked at me like, <laughs> took her a couple of days. She got it. And then boy, was I trouble. Uh, anyhow, uh, I just want to say real quick, yeah, you know what? I thought I had two hours and he told me, he said, you got 10 minutes, make it quick. <laughs> so, um, but I just want to say, Stephen, I'll, I just have to, you guys all expected me to rag on him this morning, didn't you? Well, normally, <laughs> but it's Mother's Day. So I, and he said something nice. I can't remember what it was, but there was something nice he said there. <laughs> and, uh, I, I just want to say, I am so thankful for the, the children and the, and the in-law kids. I call them my son in love and my daughters in love, you know, uh, because we love our, our spouses that our kids picked out that God gave to them for their life's journey. And uh, I, I knew that Steve was the one when uh, they hadn't been dating very long. In fact, I think they dated two days when they got married, wasn't it? <laughs> oh, three months. <laughs> and uh, but he I noticed as I was watching him that he was very protective of my daughter. And to make a long story short, they, you know, they went down to feed the homeless in Riverside and all. And mom and Julie was telling me, says he was right in between everybody and her just protecting her and watching over her. And then when we went down, how many of you went down to uh, downtown Phoenix when we went down there and uh, fed the homeless? And, and I just observed him that day and he was like a mother hen over all the congregation, very caring, very watching and guarding and such a good shepherd. And just protecting. I felt very safe knowing that he was there. 
And, you know, he loves you guys. They both do. They love you so much. I don't want to get emotional, so don't let me get emotional this morning. But they love you guys and are very protective of all of you. And I, you know, they, they never say anything negative, but it's always very positive in how they're caring for their flock here. And, and I just wanted, I just wanted to throw that in. How'd I do? <laughs> Lunch? <laughs> Okay, I'm going to start now. <laughs> that wasn't the start. Oh, and I only have five minutes left. Uh, would you put the slide, one of the first, the first slide up there? I don't know who this is. It's a couple I found in the, <laughs> on the internet, you know. <laughs> but uh, really, you know, I was talking to John the other day and I said, you know what? I don't even remember when we were dating about talking about having children and all we talked about getting married, but I don't even remember the subject of children coming up. And uh, so, you know, we got married and I guess we finally started thinking, well, probably the thing to do, you know, is to, to have children. So anyhow, we were married for for a while and still hadn't, didn't have children. I was working at a bank and he was working wherever he could get a job. <laughs> True. <laughs> And uh, so we really didn't think about having a family. But about five years into our marriage, I began to have that maternal instinct, I guess, that you get or whatever. And I decided that I, I wanted to have a baby. So uh, we didn't have a baby. There was no baby that came. And so uh, three years into it, you know, about eight years after we'd been married, I thought, wow, you know. So we got to checking and found out that it would be a difficult situation for either one of us to to uh, have a baby. So we um, applied for adoption. And uh, two weeks after we applied, we found out that we were expecting our first child. So he was a miracle. <laughs> Actually, to make a, another long story very short, uh, we were not supposed to be able to have children, and we have four. We have three natural children and one adopted child. But, uh, oh, there you are. Where we are married. <laughs> <laughs> that other one was, uh, boy, wow, you were young. <laughs> so, yeah, that, that was the beginning of it right there. But I, want, I know that uh, when you talk about mothers, you think, uh, I have done a lot of counseling over the years and, and realized that, that not all mothers have been what God had created them to be. Some of you are here today and you're hurting because you had a mother who wasn't there. Or you have a mother that, that passed away maybe when you were uh, quite young. Or you may be a mother and you feel like, boy, I've, I've done this, this thing wrong or that thing wrong and uh, uh, been disappointed in yourself. So there's all different kinds of mothers. There's good mothers, not so good mothers. There's uh, mothers that have sacrificed and mothers that have been more self-centered, but I just want to talk about a mother whose God is the Lord today. So I'm going to share some of my experiences with you since I've arrived. <laughs> that was a joke. <laughs> and, um, oh, oh, yes, this picture right here. This was taken after we had our fortune. <laughs> okay, Stephen found this one, so, you know, it's... Um, 
anyhow, not all of our experiences have been real positive. <laughs> you know, I cried every Mother's Day because we didn't have any children. After we had children, I cried every day. <laughs> okay, this picture right here <clears throat> was actually our oldest son up there. A good heart. But he was into, you know, when the punk rock thing started and rockabilly and all of that. He got into that. He grew his hair long. <clears throat> sometimes it was blue. Sometimes it was purple. Sometimes it wasn't there at all. And sometimes it was in a, a uh, what do you call it? Mohawk, yeah. And so, uh, you know, we, we lived through those times. And we weren't very, really very, I bet you wouldn't know that we weren't really happy there. That was a plate pasted on smile of mine. John just didn't bother. <laughs> <laughs> And poor little Jared and Julie, they, that's Julie. I'm, I'm sorry, sweetie. <laughs> but anyhow, I, I, so we went through some things, and, and uh, so this just brings us to, to my first point this morning. And that is that a mother whose God is the Lord needs to know him and have relationship with him. Um, during that time, I found myself embarrassed because of the way he looked. He was one of the few who was looking like this. And we were in church. We were real involved in, in church and all. But I found myself embarrassed by him. And I found that the body of Christ was judging this boy. And uh, he looked weird, quite different. But his heart was good. And we didn't realize it, how good it was. We just saw what was happening on the outside, and we thought that he was just really going astray and everything. And uh, the other kids in the youth group, to be real honest with you, looked good. They had everything together. They looked pretty and, and handsome and all, took care of themselves, and very clean cut. And yet everybody judged our son, including us, and not realizing that his heart, he loved God. He knew the scriptures. And all, and yet a relationship. A mother needs a relationship with him, not a religious, um, not a religion. You know, relationship with, with, uh, Jesus is not a religion. It's a relationship. And a mother needs to know that she needs, has to have a relationship with him. Philippians, Paul says that I may know him. I want to know him. And I've said that from the time I was very young. I said, Lord, I want to know you. I want to know the power of your resurrection, the fellowship of your suffering, being conformed to your death, that I may somehow attain to the resurrection. And knowing him. So the first goal of a, of a mother, and you know, I'm not just talking to mothers this morning. This is Mother's Day, and, and I'm talking to, to those who are going to become mothers. I'm talking to those who have been mothers to encourage you. But I'm also talking to you dads. I'm talking to you children. Chances are most of you had a mother. That was a joke. <laughs> You know, but uh, whether she, I don't know anything about her. And yet, this this message today are, are encouraging things for all of us. We need to have a relationship with him. We don't need to judge people based on what they look like, or even our children or whoever, based on what they look like or what we think that's on, on their mind or in their heart. But we need to, to, to accept them the way they are and to love them the way they are because they may have a purer heart than I do. And uh, more of a love for the for the Lord, and then she must know that she needs God. 
She needs to have not only that relationship with him, but she needs to know him in an intimate way to develop that relationship. You know, how are relationships developed? They're not by meeting someone. You know, I'll ask our, the Bible study group that I was teaching one time. I said, how many of you are friends in here? And they all raised their hands and said, yeah, you know, we're, we're good friends and all. And I said, how many times have you been to each other's house? What do you know about each other? How many children do they have? And it was like they got to looking around the room and it's like, Oh, okay. So we determined that we were acquaintances and we knew each other from a, from that standpoint. But as far as being really friends and having an intimate relationship with each other, that was very rare. But you know, that's the way that you've become intimate with the Father is by spending time with Him, by knowing Him, by, uh, accepting the, the, um, the love that He has to give to you. She knows that need, according to Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. I've needed him. You know, there's times when I couldn't, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what decisions to make. Our son was off, and he went off then and did his own thing because we would not accept who he was. And we had to live through that experience. And then the next child came along, and, and uh, you know, I'd like to say, wow, I had a lot of wisdom in those days. But it was a growing learning process. I didn't know how to be a mom. You know, we'd, we'd done all the things we wanted to do for eight years, and now we had these children, and we're trying to figure out what to do with them. <laughs> and uh, it's... Uh, but God, God in his mercy and his grace. Anyhow, she needs to be controlled, filled and controlled and empowered by the Holy Spirit. She's learned where the secret place is. That's the next point. Where's the secret place? You know, I used to take off and go to the grocery store. That was my secret place. How, uh, can I just ask, how many moms do that? <laughs> okay. The grocery store is a sanctuary. <laughs> And walking the aisles is just such a joy, you know. Oh, look, there's the sugar. Oh, the milk. Oh, yes, that's good. <laughs> it just, you know, becomes an experience for you. But <laughs> you, uh, I had a place at the park. There was a little park a few blocks from where we lived. And so I would just get in the car and I would drive down to the park where nobody else was. And I would find a place under a tree or in a... John didn't know that either. <laughs> he said, really? I didn't know. Where is that where you went? But anyhow, I would just sit there, you know, and just take in, just allowing the Spirit of God to, to mend or to heal or to give me direction or help. But I would spend time in that secret place. Nobody else knew about it because I would just slip off when John was home with the kids or whatever, and I'd just go there and rest and to try to clear my head and to get my direction uh, reestablished there. But Psalm 91, I'm going to, uh, in the first verse, says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I love that psalm, so much in it. But it also says that he shall cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. And then it also says, because the Lord's saying, because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. Only I put her in there and I put you in there when I said, because you love me and set your love upon me, therefore I will deliver you. I will set you on high because you know my name. 
You shall call upon me and I will answer you. I will be with you in trouble. I will deliver you and honor you. With long life, I will satisfy you and show you my salvation. And I love that psalm because it's encouraged me so many times to know that, that I was under the shadow of, his, of the Almighty and under his wings. There's a, a story of a several years ago in Yellowstone National Park, there was a, a major um, fire forest fire. I guess they're all major. But anyhow, afterwards, the ranger was uh, walking up out into the woods assessing the damage, and he saw at the base of a tree was a bird sitting there that was petrified by ashes. And so thinking it is kind of an eerie sight, he took a stick and went over and, and gently pushed the bird over and out ran three baby chicks. And I thought, wow, what a picture. You know, that bird instinctively knowing that those toxic smoke would rise and that they would all perish, took those babies to the base of that tree and covered them and drew them into her wings and protected them and gave her own life so that these babies could live. And I thought, what a picture of Jesus. What a picture of God when he, we're at our wit's end and we don't know what else to do or even when we're not, and we're just needing to be with him, to draw into that secret place. Do you know where the secret place is? You know, I, I used to think it was just getting away like that. And then I thought, you know what? I'm in the grocery store, and I need, I need you, Lord. I need you. There's a crowd around. I'm in a big crowd, and I need you, Lord. You can pull into that secret place even when there's a crowd around where it's safe and where it's quiet, because why? He's, he's right here. Had people tell me before, Especially this, I think about this one lady and the answer I gave her. Uh, she said, uh, I just feel like I pray and it just seems like it, my prayers don't get any further than the ceiling. And I said, just speak into your shirt. Just speak into your shirt. He's that close. And I did that at the time. I said, just, just speak into your shirt. And uh, because, you know, we think of him as being off somewhere. But where's the secret place? It's right here. It's where you are because that's where he is. He's in the secret place all the time. You know what? We don't have to wait for trouble to come to be in the secret place. The neat thing about it, you can already be there in the secret place when trouble does come so that it doesn't overwhelm you and bury you. So knowing where that secret place is. Next thing is, she knows, number four, that she knows who her enemy is. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I just want to tell you, it's not your husband. <laughs> and it's not your kids. Your enemy is not husband or your children. In Ephesians, Paul says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and forces and uh, spiritual forces in, uh, in dark places, in, in the dark. Well, you know, you got the idea. But in yeah, spiritual, uh, it's not people. It's flesh and blood. And if we keep that in mind, that we're not wrestling against people, that we have a real enemy, and, and that he will... Do what he can to destroy your life and discourage you and, and separate your family. Divide. That's what he came to do. He came to divide, to separate. He came to steal, kill, and destroy. And a, and a mother who knows her God knows who her enemy is, but she also knows how to fight. Um, 
one morning, um, I was, uh, well, I was sound asleep. It was like early in the morning, I was, I was just sound asleep, and I woke up praying in spirit, praying in tongues. I didn't know what. I would just sat up straight in bed and just frantic, and I'm just praying. I'm praying. I don't know what I'm praying about because I'm praying in the Spirit. And it's like, what is it? Except Jonathan, our oldest son, was on my mind. Three looked at the clock, and it was 3 o'clock in the morning. And I just kept praying. I didn't know what was going on, so I just kept this out of my belly. You know, it was just this urgency, and I was praying and praying and praying. And finally, it was so urgent that I got up, Three o'clock in the morning, got in the car, and I started driving. I thought, I'm going to find my son. I've got to find my son. Here I am. I don't know where I was going to go, you know, but I knew I had to find him. So I'm driving around and driving around, and I just got down about, oh, maybe two miles from the house, and just as clearly as could be, okay, it's okay, go back home, go to bed. And I did. The peace of God came on me. I went home, got back in bed, went right back to sleep, and it was Okay, whatever it was was okay. Five o'clock in the morning, I heard him come in, and I got up and I went in there and I he was sitting on his bed with his head in his in his hands, and I said, "Son, what happened this morning?" Three o'clock. He said, "Mom, how'd you know? How'd you know?" He said, "My friend and I were someplace, and this gang of boys attacked them." and started beating him up. And he said, I don't know what happened, Mom, but all of a sudden it just stopped. And they just, like something was there, and they ran. And we got away and just came on home. But the grace, the mercy of God. So she knows how to war. She knows how to fight. She knows how to protect and take care of, of her children, her grandchildren. Second Corinthians, it talks about that we walk in the flesh. Though we walk in the flesh, we don't war in the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God, through God, to tear down strongholds and imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and to bring every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. She knows how to pray. She knows how to commit her family to the Lord. She knows what fighting means. It may mean on your face. I don't, can't tell you the times that I was on my face on the carpet praying for the children, not knowing where they were or what was going on in their lives, or maybe knowing where they were and praying for something that they had asked me to pray for. Just down on my face, just, there's been times, I'm just really, I'm really being open with you guys this morning. <laughs> but there's been times when I couldn't cry, all I could do was wail, wail before the Lord and just ask for help because I didn't know what to do. She knows her authority and her power. She knows that Jesus delegated power to his body when he ascended into heaven. In fact, he actually did it before that when he was talking to his disciples, and he said, Behold, I give you authority to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall indeed hurt you. And so we know that we can fight that we have power and authority over those unseen forces of darkness. There's that authority and that power. There's power in the name of Jesus. I have a friend. <laughs> and whenever there's, uh, I've heard her many times, like if there was an accident about to happen on the freeway or something, she would just say, oh, Jesus, 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 as quick as she could. There'd be about 18 Jesuses <laughs> that came out of her mouth because that's all she knew to pray was just the, the name Jesus. Been times when I've had my little kids, my grandkids or, or my children, holding them in my arms when they had 104 and 
above fever, hanging, hanging on to him, just holding him and, and praying and praying. And sometimes all I could say was Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. But then you remember, hey, wait a minute, God gave me authority too. So I've many times rebuked that fever in the name of Jesus and just watched and felt that little body cool off because of the name of Jesus and the power of the blood. She knows the power of the blood. You know, to me, uh, the study of the blood of Jesus is just so interesting. Uh, blood is a strange thing, you know. In Leviticus, it talks about that the life of the flesh is in the blood. Now, if uh, you can take somebody's blood, maybe you've, how many of you have given blood before? And uh, there's a sub something in that blood that is called life. And that blood can be taken from you, put into a refrigerator, and later, when somebody else needs it, they can take that same blood and put it in someone else. And that blood gives that person life when they may not have survived, but that same thing called life is still in that blood. However, if you were to bleed out on the ground, you were to be injured, wounded in some way, and your blood went out on the ground, all it would do would be to draw flies. When Jesus' blood was spilled on the ground, his blood actually had life still in it, and that life repelled Beelzebub, the Lord of the flies. And it still does today. And applying the blood of Jesus on, on family, on on different situations and, and realizing the power and, and being able to say, I can remember praying with, uh, with different people, but this one in particular, as I was praying over her and I just, uh, began to, you know, we were praying and asking God to heal and deliver and do all these things. And, uh, I just said, Oh, the blood of Jesus. When I said that, this demon said, don't say that. And it left immediately because it cannot stay where the blood of Jesus is. And uh, that, anyhow, that was uh, an experience with the blood there. Uh, okay, I'm, my time's up and I'm not done. How many of you got to have lunch at 12 o'clock? <laughs> okay. Okay, she's also learned the purpose of trials. She, so she knows no, no pain, no gain. So learning what trials and circumstances do. It depends on our attitude, how we think, how we handle the things that come to us, isn't it? Depending on how we deal with them determines the outcome of what it's going to do in our life. Okay, for example, uh, one of the things that we could ask ourselves is, what is it, God? that I couldn't learn any other way than through this trial. What is it that I couldn't learn any other way except through this trial? And then don't let me miss it. There's uh, some, okay, they're not up there, but let me give you some um, 
circumstances that come that we might ask ourselves just real quickly here, what is it that this circumstance can do in my life? First of all, asking, is this a demonic attack or warfare? Is it something I need to stand up and fight for? Is it something that I can... I've prayed a lot of people out of circumstances that I found out later that I should not have prayed because they just had to turn around and go through it again because God was teaching them what he wanted them to know, and I was praying them out of it. And, And he was honoring my prayer a lot of times by doing that, or our prayers, you know, whoever was praying, and come to find out that wasn't what he wanted at all. He wanted them to go through that circumstance so that they could grow and learn and uh, grow up in him. Another thing is, the second thing is, is it to teach or to train me? And because of time, I won't go into any of those. I'll be back next week. (laughs) Another thing is, is it to convict or change me? You know, a lot of times God's just trying to do something in your life. Maybe there's a sin in your life that you're not even aware of this sin. Uh, maybe there's an area of your life that he wants to change and that you have to go through something for him to bring conviction. You know, he never, never brings condemnation on you, but instead he convicts you gently of what you're doing so that he can work in that area. Is it to change you? Or the last thing is, is it to reveal your true character or his? Is your true character or nature? God wants you to know what's inside of you, what's really there. I've had people tell me, Wow, I had no idea I was capable of doing what I did. And that's, he also does that, brings circumstances in our life so that we can realize that. Okay, next one is that she knows what it's like to have a broken heart. And those are the times that I've wailed before God when I didn't know what to pray, that my heart was broken. And many of you have had your heart broken. You're not a mom, but you've had your heart broken in different areas of life. And some of you haven't yet, but you will have. And to remember these things, that God is there no matter what. But she also knows how to heal because she knows how to forgive. Forgiveness is a thing that, uh, you know, Jesus said, if you forgive men their sins, I'll forgive you. If you don't, I didn't see this other part until years later. I always saw that first part, though. You know, if uh, if you forgive men their sins, then... I'll forgive you. But I didn't realize the part that, but if you don't forgive them, I I won't forgive you. In other words, he can't. That's part of what God's uh, law of love is, that he can't forgive you if you don't forgive others. The next thing is to love. She knows how to love unconditionally. Uh, We had a child, our our oldest daughter, actually, that was way, way out there and uh, didn't live near us. And every phone call that I got, I dreaded. Because I thought either she's somebody's killed her or she's killed somebody, <laughs> to be real honest. It was that type of situation. Or there's jail involved or there's something going on, you know. And so we're just uh, hanging on, you know, waiting to see. And so the phone would ring and I'd say, John, get it. Get it. I can't get the phone, you know. And so he, he wouldn't either. He ran. <laughs> so, But it was uh, quite a time that we went through there. But learning how to forgive kept my heart from being destroyed many times, but to love unconditionally. And I had people tell me during that time, this is killing you guys. You need to let it go. You need to forget about it. And you need to move on. But you know what? That's something a mom can't do. She has to stay in there. She has to hang in there. No matter what, she has to hang in there and love unconditionally. And and uh, which... <sighs> It reminds me of the verse in, in Romans 5, 8 that says that God demonstrates what his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died 
for us. So how can we not love others when they're living whatever way they're living? When he loves you, he loves me in an unconditional way. doesn't matter what we've done. He still loves us. And he does whatever he can to draw us back to that relationship with him that he wants us to have. A lot of times I say, wow, I wish I had it to do over again. Do a lot of things different. Anybody here feel that way? I wish I could have done this different or that different. You know, made the wrong choice, made the right choice, sure liked what I did, didn't like what I did. You know, we sometimes beat ourselves up. Sometimes we live with regrets. And, uh, you know, but God is there to forgive and to, to make it right. And the last point then is how to fail. She knows how to fail. Wow, do I know how to fail? I've had a lot of practice. I failed a lot, you know, and I wish there's the things that I would have done differently, but I've learned a lot. And one of the things that I suppose learning and learning how to fail, you realize that God's grace, you experience God's grace and mercy like never before because you realize and understand that he covers what you messed up. I am so thankful this morning that the things that I messed up in life, He's covered it. And and I want to see that other slide there. This one. That looks quite different than the first one, right? They're all happy, happy, happy. And look at Julie. She's smiling. <laughs> These are our kids. This was taken two years ago. But this last part here, when God's grace covers you, I am just here today to tell you that no matter what we went through with our children, whatever they put us through, whatever we put them through, which was probably worse than what they put us through, the fact is today they're all walking with God. They love him. They're serving him. And and I am so, I love them to pieces. And they've turned out, they are everyone a joy. And and not only that, but the the, the mates that they've chosen for their life, are such a joy, and I'm just so thankful and happy for them. I've been a mom for 47 years. I know I'm not, I'm only 53, so that's real rough, you know. But but that's a, a long time. But I'm still learning. I'm still learning how to be a mom. I'm still learning how to be a daughter. Very hard when you're the caregiver of a of a ninety hundred and five. She's not there yet, but she's probably going to be. But ninety five years old. But I'm her caregiver, one of her main caregivers, and uh, wanting to be the best daughter that I can be because I don't want to look back later and have regrets about how I treated my mom or how I didn't treat my mom. So you know what? We're always life is always a challenge, isn't it? And I hope you guys didn't feel left out. I hope I covered. Do you know what to do? No, Nick, because of this, let's see. Yeah, amen, amen. So, um, I, I'm, I'm, hmm? Oh, I'm sorry. This is all my mother's fault. <laughs> I told her, I said, Mom, what were you thinking? You know, but this is our, all of, I think that's, everybody's there except uh, Jacob, no? Yeah, everybody's there except Jacob. All these are uh, John's brothers there next to our granddaughter in the white. But our son, there's Stephen and our grandson, Michael, and 
and our granddaughter Kate and Jonathan and Sharon, our son and his wife, son-in-law and great-grandbaby back there. Oh, there's another one. Yeah, the baby wasn't. Oh, yeah, she's holding the baby back there. And then Jared, you know him. And there's Julie going like this. You know, she didn't mean to make funny faces. They just happened. And then our daughter-in-law, our grandchildren down here. So anyhow, that's uh, thank you for listening. I guess you listened. I noticed there was just a few that drove off. I wasn't really. <laughs> okay, Stephen, would you like to? I love you all. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's, um, you can see how lucky I am, <laughs> really, honestly. Um, and I know that she, uh, she has prayed for us for a long time, but for our church specifically for a long time. And I, I know that uh, many times she's been on her face praying for your needs. And she's taking many of you into her own house. And, and uh, I just thought what a, what a privilege it is to, for us, just to listen to someone who's who's a little more experienced than us in this journey. To realize, I think it's awesome. I know a, not all of us in life finish well. Do you know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> uh, Jim had the privilege of working in Sun City at a Walgreens. <laughs> and if you know anything about Sun City, you know that there are many experienced people in Sun City. Um <laughs> But they, uh, many of, there's unfortunately many of them that um, at that stage in their life, they're not happy. They're not nice. They're not, they tend to be sour and bitter and angry and mean. And <laughs> Jim experienced that firsthand at Walgreens as uh, they would come in and be abusive to the staff, um, be abusive to the employees. And, uh, you know, I think it's awesome to watch a person truly grow uh, in their experience and age with grace because of Christ in them. And watch, uh, I've known this lady for a long time, and uh, through everything she's been through, she's had the ability to be happy, to find joy. I mean, just three years ago, she tried to do a jungle rope swing into a pond at Hawaii. Didn't work out well. <laughs> but just to, I want to be like that. If God's so, if God is gracious, and I hope you forgive me, but if God is gracious enough that I get to see my 70s, I hope that I am as happy and gracious. I hope that my heart is big enough to still take others into it. I hope that I don't become self-absorbed. I hope I finish well. I hope that, you know, the Bible says, while outwardly, you know, aging, you get, it's tough, you know. 
I noticed even today, like I hurt my knee and things don't heal as fast as they did when I was 17. And from what I understand, that gets more fun as I go forward. But it's awesome to know that Christ in us, that we are growing day by day in the grace and the love of God and that we can get better and better and better, truly aging like fine, fine wine for my wine folks, where we finish like a, like a, a priceless vintage that, that is a blessing and brings joy and refreshment to those around us. And that's what you do. That's what you do. And it's uh, awesome. I'd like to, uh, would you pray for us? And then, um, and then I'll uh, send us out of here with uh, the priestly blessing, okay? Father, I'm so grateful today that I can call you Father. I thank you for loving, loving us unconditionally. I thank you for always being there, that we can run to you. But we can also just relax in knowing that you're here with us, that you don't ever leave us or forsake us. Thank you for your unconditional love. I thank you for your mercy and for your grace. And, Father, that we can always count on you, that you're trustworthy. Lord, you're our provider. You're our father. You're our shepherd. You're everything that we need. Lord, you are here. You're our banner. And we just thank you. And I pray, Father, that if there's anyone here this morning that is hurting or aching because of uh, a mother that's no longer here or uh, grieving because of relationship that wasn't what they wanted or desired, I just pray that you would heal and mend today and bring hope and, and just bring um, a new life into that place, Father, that seems to be missing and I pray for the mothers that are here. I ask that you would strengthen them, God, that you would undergird them, that you would give them encouragement, you would give them hope. If they have children that are straying from you today, I pray, God, that you draw them back, that you would just, we speak life to them today in Jesus' name, and we call them back into your kingdom, to, the, to your fold, Father. And we speak hope, and, and uh, we speak peace to a mother's heart today. I pray for the fathers that are here. I pray that you would encourage them and that you would rise up in them, that they become all that you've created them to be. We pray for the children, all of the us that are, us that are children this morning, as we want to uh, serve our parents. We want to honor them, and we want to be to them what you need us to be in, in maybe their last days. But thank you, Father. If there's anyone here, Father, that doesn't know you this morning in the personal way, in that intimate way, I ask that you would reveal yourself to them, reveal your love to them, that before they leave this place this morning, that they would know that there is a God who loved them, that loves them and gave your life for them. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.